Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. He bowled over. He just like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and backwards and knocked some stuff over. Uh, so, you know, it, it, somebody, somebody got hurt out of that, but... Welcome to Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast. Your place for resources and in-depth conversations with other game development professionals. I'm your host, John J.P. Podlasic. I've worked at 10 different game companies, starting back in 1989 with the TurboGrafx-16. Over the decades, I've developed games like Mortal Kombat, Avengers Initiative, Beavis and Butthead, and numerous others. I now work for a startup called Level X. But this podcast isn't about me. It's about you and the game development community. So if you have questions or ideas, give a call, 224-484-7733, or go to the gamedevadvice.com website. I have a great show for you today, so let's kick things off with episode 002. Today's guest, Martin Murphy. Martin has over 20 years of experience in the entertainment industry. He's contributed his talents to feature films, numerous broadcast design packages and commercials, and to the creation of more than 20 games ranging from the arcade and Sega Genesis era to the current console systems and mobile devices. Prior to this, he was Midway's company-wide director of art, shepherding the transition of almost 300 artists to the new console technologies and fostering collaboration across five development studios. He was also a professor at Columbia College in Chicago, where he taught computer animation and portfolio development prior to taking a full-time faculty position at Ringling College of Art and Design's inaugural game art and design program. Heads up, you're going to hear a little bit of noise in the background, but it doesn't last long. Okay, let's kick things off with Martin. How did you get started in the video game industry? Kind of talk me through it. Yeah, I, you know, I'm sure it's a lot like a, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast or folks who are in the industry that just started playing games as a kid. And I grew up at a time where um, Atari just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, remember seeing um, asteroids in the arcade and Space Invaders and so on. Right. And at my school, elementary school, um, they had an Apple II computer. And I was like, dude, what's that? I got to mess around with that. Mm-hmm. And then I had a close friend, best friend, whose dad was a math teacher at a nearby school, not the same school I went to. But um, he was, you know, he's like a big tech investor, uh, 
really smart guy, math guy. <laughs> and right. He got a, a computer for their home on Apple II. And so I started getting exposure through my friend using an Apple II. And then I lucked out around like fifth grade or so. Um, a family friend got me an, uh, a hand-me-down Apple. So I had like a Apple IIc during middle school. Mm. And I started goofing around and, uh, you know, all holiday gifts or stuff like that kind of centered around that notion. So I started using uh, Dazzle Draw back in the day. Wow. Uh, that was a border run project. And uh, you could, it was digital paint. And paint, I still right? remember, huh? Kind of like deep paint, right? Or was it pre-deep paint? Yeah, pre-deep paint. And huh. so uh, this thing allowed you actually to go and paint each one of the guns, the red, green, blue little uh, <laughs> electrodes or whatever you want to call them. Uh, yeah. I probably is a correct term out there. But um, I started uh, just replicating Judas Priest albums with uh, covers <laughs> with it, uh, awesome. as well as some other things. And um, so I had an affinity for graphic design. Um, I could draw. Um, so with that art background of like in, what do I mean by drawing, um, in kindergarten, uh, my mom was telling a story. I came home with a drawing of the house and the f family's fireplace. And my mom looks at it and goes, why did you draw the fireplace this way? Because that's what it looked like. I told her in a matter of fact manner, I drew right. it in perspective. So, okay. Um, that's unusual for a preschooler <laughs> to come home with perspective drawing. Yeah. So the drawing skills were there. The computer skills were of interest. Um, I think I did myself wrong as far as learning programming. Um, like the first programming challenge I thought of was trying to f create chess and after years later, learning from mm -hmm. other programmers is that they didn't start with chess. Yeah, like a <laughs> uh, ball bouncing on four walls or something. Something simpler, Simple. yeah. Yeah, like, a, like a calculator or a, yeah, yeah. a randomizer maybe. Uh, right. Maybe I, I could have gotten a little bit further down the programming pipeline, but I, I've tried to correct that over the years. So uh, Apple II was logos and everything. Anyways, yeah. so as a kid, getting into Apple II and um, another family friend, introduces me to an art director at Mindscape. Wow. And so um, as a 15-year-old kid, I got this informational interview. Just check this out, obviously into it. Mm -hmm. And Jack offered me a job. <laughs> at 15. <laughs> <laughs> and I freaked out. I'm like, no, no, no. And he said, well, okay, calm down, kid. And <laughs> he uh, suggested Ringling College for school. Right. And Full circle. Uh, it sure is. And so I came down here, um, family looked at the school mm -hmm. and it was the only place at the time that I could find, I think it's a fact, only Bachelor of Fine Arts and Computer Graphics in the country. Yeah. And uh, I graduated from here in uh, 92 and got out of high school really to get through, get to, I'm going on with this. And, um, I think it was like probably the first game hire uh, from the college, a game art hire. Wow. But it all starts from this guy who graduated from Ringling in 1965, an illustration. Uh, he also, Jack also created the, the original Chuck E. Cheese. So mm -hmm. he 
you know, he worked with um, Noam Bushnell or yeah, over at the uh, Showtime Pizza or whatever it was called at the time. Yeah. So uh, I decided to head out west after graduation. Um, so I landed work in Hollywood and then I moved up to Sega in uh, 93. There was this little movie called the Jurassic Park <laughs> that came out at that time. <laughs> a few dinosaurs. A little, yeah. yeah. So I was working at uh, doing 3D production at a high-end visual effects kind of graphic design house, broadcast yeah. graphic stuff. Uh, worked down to the 94 Winter Olympics there. Um, and that stuff had to get worked on early before it was released. So yeah, kind of like as I was going on, I looked at, uh, I love games. And so Sega offered me a position and I went to work there. And what I was interested in was the high-end technology at the time. So mm -hmm. back in the day, you would probably remember signing invoices for this, mm. the software for uh, soft homage or Kinemation or Wavefront, all right. that software was wicked expensive. Yeah. And then right. the computers that would run it, the Silicon Graphics SGIs, yeah, way expensive. Box. Yeah, yeah. And so they were more than the operator. And so that was a motivation for me. It was like, I wanted to do the highest end graphics. And so that's where I, I focused. I focused on trying to find the places that would get me there. So I thought, mm -hmm that going to work at Sega on Jurassic Park would get me closer. It didn't, mm. um, you know, it was kind of a ridiculous time to be doing 3D because we wound up taking all this high-end software that they use for this great film and then right. pushing it all down into the deluxe paint, which stuff I did right. in the 80s, you know, like, okay, well, right, right. why don't I just skip this? I'll just yeah. go back to deluxe paint and we'll get it right. Cause, right, you know, right. Was it going to work? Dithering and digitizing things, it's just, it's just more work than doing it right from... Uh, so was this Genesis time frame? I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's weird. Uh, my kids, the uh, 68,000, whatever, the, the chip that's in the Genesis is the mm -hmm. same chip that's in uh, maybe your son's too. They're a graphic calculator. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that one uh, that all the schools have to get that's overpriced, the $150, yeah, yeah, yeah. $200 calculator. Yeah, yeah. But that one uses the same same chip. That's funny. It's of the first Mac, I think, too. Yeah, yeah, it was a popular chip. I remember that sixty eight hundred series. Wow. So uh, that was my start. Um, I was working at Sega. Um, I wound up picking up some uh, freelance work. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you remember a game series called Urban Strike and. Uh, the helicopter strike from EA. Yeah, I was going to say, I can kind of see the helicopter in my head. Yeah, right. Right. And so, uh, you know, I picked up some moonlining work there and I kind of followed up on that. Um, from a design perspective, I wanted to make everything original artwork. And uh, that was just me being dumb and stupid at the time. And uh, realized that, you know, that wasn't going to work. And um, getting frustrated at Sega as they were transitioning to uh, the Saturn at the time, not right. the cool Dreamcast. Dreamcast would have been great, but the Saturn, you know, mm -hmm. didn't see any kind of end to the limitations, even though Virtual Fighter was amazing at the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I went back to Hollywood and um, I worked at the company I had been at before and I helped uh, work on a, a proof of concept 
that got us the uh, Zork Nemesis project. Again, I mm. a game I played as a kid. Yeah, me too. And I was like, great, man. I want to work on the new reboot of Zork. And this is after Misfit came out with the CD-ROM and had done really well. And mm. so I uh, worked on that project, SGI Machines, and um, that thing won uh, Best Graphics of the Year in 97. Cool. And that was the last year, like this pursuit of working, trying to get to the SGI machines. Uh, all that kind of wrapped up then because uh, to render out these large panoramic backgrounds with really rich textures and everything, we ran out of uh, video memory. So big, mm. huge, fancy supercomputer, right? Yeah, right. Would fit. Choked uh, because it ran out of virtual memory and 3D mm. Studio Max at the time allowed you to write out to a hard drive a uh, virtual memory file right didn't have to be physical and uh that was the way that that job got done was actually wow. switched the whole pipeline over to max and so that was like one of those first indicators in my life like okay real-time graphics is going to be more the way to go and mm -hmm. even though it wasn't real time then but it was like this technology is going to get more and more democratized and right. uh, chasing after the high end tech. It's not going to be there. But um, I joined Midway after a little bit of time um, working in feature film, doing visual effects and stuff like that. Uh, wanted to be back in Chicago where uh, my folks were, my dad was sick. And so uh, it's probably, I can't, I, at times I really regret it. Like that decision getting out of college to go to Hollywood, I probably would have been best served by just going back to Chicago <laughs> oh, right. and maybe try to make my way into Midway games earlier at that time, right? Right. And that would have been a better time to be there for sure. When did you come back to Midway? I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, 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 it started there in um, 97. Okay. So I, uh, I had finished uh, Zork Nemesis, had worked on some films after that, and so by the time Zork got some accolades and um, I had this other experience um, that was more interesting yeah. <laughs> to, to Hollywood uh, from to the Chicago side. So getting to Chicago, that, that was a really great experience. Uh, I would, I take pretty much any day of my life uh, there than, you know, what I got right now for sure. It was every day was a treat there. Yeah, it, it was it was an interesting place, and there was always a lot of things going on, a lot of teams, and a lot of. Just always had the greatest confidence in everybody around you. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the quality of the designers there, just living legends. So. Uh, right, right. I felt honored to be there. Yeah, no, no, it was cool. I, I had a, a lot of similar experiences meeting George going. George Gomez, like, wow, you made Spy Hunter. Right, right. I love that game. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. That there were. Mm -hmm talking to Jarvis and, you know, Joust and Defender and all that stuff. It's crazy. Um, well, cool. Like, well, reflecting back and kind of like, you know, what kind of advice would you give someone looking to get their first job now, right? right. You know, it's such a different landscape than it used to be. Um, what are your thoughts about that? You know, especially in your role now. Right, right. A lot of, so, a lot of perspective. <laughs> yeah, Ringling is... Uh, a well-regarded school. Um, we have a goal to be preeminent, world world leading in, in regards to a variety of visual arts mediums. 
Mm -hmm. And I think we're having good success there. Um, you know, yeah. like bona fide success. And one of the things that the benefits of being here, we have close to a hundred recruiters come to the college campus. And so you hear a thing or two uh, about what people are expecting. Yeah. And so we get pretty darn rock solid advice to our students. Um, okay. Quick question break. What are your thoughts so far? Do you have a topic idea, a question to ask, or a guest suggestion? Let me know at 224-484-7733 or on the gamedevadvice.com website. Demonstrate your skill, demonstrate your value, and as a hiring manager, um, you know, I hired 70 artists in games. It's I know you've hired a bunch too. Yeah. Those are kind of like the the three big things that I look for is like, can you do the job? Do I like you? I'm, I put that second. I know some people would probably put that first, but, um, and then the third thing is how much of a risk you are. And with a competitive landscape out there, being able to comparatively review portfolios and say like, okay, this person's showing me more of their thinking Maybe they're showing me a little bit more diversity, or maybe they're showing me more depth in their ability. Therefore, they're a better candidate. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if if you're an artist looking to get out there, you know, start looking and comparing your work to the best artists out there up on ArtStation and never right. be satisfied yep. with the quality of the work that's out there. And be continuing to look for the things that give you an edge. Um, you know, I, I uh, <laughs> there's uh, just in, in general for people who are making artwork, and you know, like you, you want people to want your visual styles like oxygen. You, know, you really just get sucked sucked up into it, and like, oh, I don't, I'd never seen that before. I want it. Right, so, right, yeah, and I think the portfolio too is like a, a big one, right? Because Sure. The, that, that's like the, the, the step one. Like if the portfolio. If is, you can't is, do the like, job. Yeah. You, you could be the greatest person in the world, but it's like, can't hire you. Right. And, and a lot of people I think put the minimum into the portfolio or they view, view it as like drudgery or just like. Really? Yeah. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen some portfolios where it's just, they all look the same. Right. So like somebody took the class and they had to yeah. model the clock and they had to model this, model that. And that's all they did. And all the portfolios look the same. And then you see somebody that did all this extra stuff and, and learned how to do these, these other tools. And, and that shows, you know, initiative. They've got more, you know, skills and, and chops. Um, and it yeah. makes them a lot more attractive than just the, I did the bare minimum or I did enough to get by. Why can't I get you a know, job? You know? <laughs> you know, one of the things that I'm always surprised by and recruiters have been straight up with us. They said, um, show us what we do. <laughs> right and, yeah. like, and even if a studio is going to be changing direction as far as what type of project they're working on like uh there's a new ip completely different than they used to right their aesthetic sensitivities their mindset is all geared to the last game they already made so they may have greater affinity and understanding and deep understanding of the quality of expected to create a product like that so mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure that's probably what you look for in hiring manager. Like, okay, this is this is exactly what we do here. I need this person. 
this person's going to build on our capacity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we actually hired a guy uh, out of school that was at one of those places with the cookie cutter uh, portfolios and he'd done all this extra stuff and he had a 3D printer going and then he'd yeah. actually done like uh, a project of flying around inside a colon and we're like, wait a minute, what? And he was like, I was doing a side project. I'm like, we're making a game uh, for GI doctors and, and you actually have done some of this work already. So, um, you know, it was just like serendipitous. I mean, it was just crazy. Um, and, and it's not to say like that we're the only person that would hire him because other people could see that his initiative and the quality of his work um, also, but it was just so crazy. But, you know, what are the odds to see some of that as a side project had, had helped in this one company do this thing for this colon um, uh, work. And it was like, wow, we got to hire this guy. And, and we did, you know, like the next Monday. Uh, and it was like a Thursday or Friday, we made him an offer. So yeah, you, you, you know, put the work in, right? And, and then- Right. Uh, and so much of the, the, the art, game art industries um, has art tests. I'm not sure if you guys yeah. test. No, we do art tests now too. Yeah, we have that. Right. And so there's a skills test and you know, resumes aren't reliable. Referrals aren't reliable mm -hmm. according to business out there. So I can completely see how folks do art tests. But some things are just really well known and you can really spot it. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the higher demand areas, like um, I'm not sure if your organization has need of a lighter. Um, okay. But lighting artists, uh, there's such high demand for that. They, mm -hmm. They're less likely to get a test. Um, right. technical artists, they're probably not going to get a text, uh, test, you know, they, they just need to be able to demonstrate that they can make artwork of high visual fidelity and sophistication mm -hmm. and show their pipeline and process of how they came to that, you know, more robust solution. Right. So, uh, the other place that we haven't seen as many art tests is on, uh, on, um, effects work. But each one of those categories, I've seen an art test come from a studio here and there. But, you know, from an educator point of view, I'm just looking at the student going, okay, did you read the instructions correctly and make sure that if they have any questions as a friend, that we can provide support. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, no, and, and follow instructions too, right? Uh, oh, I, my God. <laughs> we send art tests out and yeah. they come back without following the instructions. So it's like, well, what? What does that say? Like, what happens when you get an assignment? You know, working. Yeah. If, you, if you can't follow instructions when when the microscope's on you, how are you going to follow it? You know, when you're employed and and the scrutiny isn't such a even crazy high like it is for tests. So, yeah, follow instructions. We, you may remember, there's a a grand master of concept art that we hired, Stefan Martinair. Yeah, right. And you know, he was a guy who helped kind of lift some boats at the at Midway. Mm -hmm. And we were able to kind of build around him. And that guy did an art test. I mean, that guy got paid more than I did. And um, I'm not going to talk his salary. I'm not going to talk mine. But, yeah, right. you know, he's well regarded. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, because he did the art test, it made it a lot easier to go to the CEO and talk about, like, why this person needed these exceptions, right? Mm -hmm. And so the art test, if done well, uh, I remember a few times where like that helped that person get better compensation yeah no and that makes sense because it's not just a a verbal thing it's like 
it's tangible. Like, look, look at this work. Look this how is, freaking this great is, this is. Yeah, let's bet on this person. Yeah, this yeah. Story. We're not just saying it and just based on his rep. It's like, you know, the proof is right there. Check out this. Yeah. <laughs> we used to have a um, slugfest. We did. We had to hire so many folks to do uh, heads, and then one person came in and like, oh, I went ahead and animated it. Great. Right, right, right. <laughs> Played easy. I know <laughs> you did all this stuff. It looks great, and then you put facial animation on it. Fantastic. Well, cool. Tell me a little bit just about your current role right now there at Ringling. Right. Well, it's a new one. Um, I was a teacher here since 98. I think that's right. 98? No. No, no, 2008. 2008. Thanks. 2008, yeah. 2008. And I had been teaching at Columbia College in Chicago for like five years before that part time. Mm -hmm. So when I got here, I was instructor and we had a new program and I did my best to help uh, kind of provide some leadership and direction. Um, helped write curriculum for our junior and senior year, and I helped revamp our freshman year. But wherever else, I've I've helped out. Mm-hmm. And in this this year, I got um, a new title change to coordinator, and we have our own department, game art and virtual reality uh, development. And my new focus is um, making sure where I can help uh, the other faculty and our students be successful, uh, teach my classes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's some coordination, making sure the labs are running, making sure that things, data is getting backed up. Um, just feels like a producer role. Yeah, yeah, right. right. And then um, I'm trying to dig in more into these immersive technologies. And so we just had a great visit from the folks at Magic Leap. Oh, right. Uh, Florida too, we, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're really uh, invested in working here with folks from Florida. And so we're excited about working with uh, that type of AR, immersive technology, the spatial computing. Mm-hmm. So VR is something that we've had success from. Um, we started playing with it in around 2015. And some of our largest employers of our students uh, have been coming from the VR space. Okay. So, you know, A, just the supply and demand for artists who are familiar with the technology. Right. Um, the game industry being so so structured and so competitive already. And yeah. so students were finding great jobs. Yeah. And it is, it, it is uh, still tricky in the game industry to make money in VR, um, at least on a scale it is for, you know, with other projects and other consoles and things because um, there are, yeah. at least for the top, the high end stuff, the barrier of entry, you know, is a high-end PC, a $600 Vive, you, you know, it, um, the, there's a market for it and it, it's, it's very cool, but it, it doesn't reach, reach the masses. But that's not to say it's not going to change and things are going to continue to evolve and AR's got some cool things going on. But yeah, that's cool that they get out and can do uh, other stuff with VR. Really excited about uh, the immersive technology. I think it's going to be really cool. And we we're having really good success with the game made game art major and it continues to get refined it's you know uh it's a lot like working on a, a sequel mm-hmm. and you and i've worked on plenty of sequels and it's right. just if you really love the franchise uh you're always thinking about like well, how can we tune this and so right. we're tuning the curriculum just like a hot rod where we have plans for like one year and we're like okay well this this would be good to try the next year and we're uh, we get 
uh, four years with the students. So uh, our goal is to get them to be as flying out of here as quickly as possible. And it's really amazing the quality of the work that they do. Um, and they're, you know, they're doing it. It's their accomplishment. They're generating that now. So it's really cool. And I'm, I know what I wanted to get back to in regards to VR. Um, mm-hmm. You've probably heard of Autodesk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> makers, my, um, a little company from uh, Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And if I were to ask you and I go, hey, you know, think about media and entertainment, all the movies, all the games, all the stuff that would be considered media and entertainment. What part of Autodesk's business do you think, what percentage of their business is uh, that software that goes into media and entertainment? Because I've asked it as an interesting question, you might. Yeah, it's probably less than you think. Yeah, yeah, probably like 10 or 20%, you know, just because. Yeah, you're right. So it's 12%. Wow have like, like a $2 billion company or whatever like that. And so what's the other percentage? It's these real world applications of this type of technology. Mm-hmm. So what I love about VR and these immersive technologies is the opportunity to provide real people with real problems, not just having entertaining. That's a problem. I want to be entertained. Right. Uh, but helping to provide confidence and to reduce anxieties in a number of other scenarios. That's where Art and design can do a great job. Art can be a form of escape, kind of mm-hmm. dust off the day off your shoulder by enjoying something that's a piece of art. Right. Design is when people are like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. Is this building going to be a problem with this one? Yeah, yeah. Confidence problem. And so that's where design processes and design results. And so the, one of the larger employers for our, our students is an architectural visualization firm. Yep. Another so say, architecture. Yeah, that was my first guess. And another one that's been picking up our students is called ShareCare. It's a Dr. Oz, <laughs> um, uh, Dr. company. Oz? Really? Yeah, the guy mm-hmm. from CNN, I think it is. And uh, yeah. they're doing medical visualization, uh, trying to actually represent the physiology of a human body and to help people understand mm-hmm. their body and how uh, different remedies and solutions will fit them. So it's a doctor's tool. But um, I got my uh, master's recently in instructional technology, and that's a huge field and a lot of great research already there as far as, like, how can you create an educational opportunity that will shrink the knowledge acquisition that can just bring that down? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've probably had to teach your kids how to drive or, you know, I know. (laughs) And one of the greatest challenges uh, with teaching my kids how to drive is to all the fear of like, what about this scenario or what about this situation? All these edge cases. Yeah. 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 And then, so like if we did a VR driving uh, license game or licensing Mm -hmm. experience or VR, and they've done that to some extent in the past, but Mm -hmm. if we just have a scenario and, you know, if I were to ask you, John, what's the strangest thing you ran over on the highway? You would probably have a, unusual answer yeah 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 driven over animals and stuff like that i hit a cat doing about 60 in the dark so yeah <laughs> for me i uh was behind a construction worker and aluminum ladder just flipped up oh, and shit. laid out in lateral and i rolled over it took out my radiator but you know it, what yeah. am i going to do there's a 12-foot yeah, right. ladder <laughs> right you got half a second <laughs> like, right and so wow. those are the type of situations the scenario that can be compressed I've only ran over those once, right? Mm-hmm. So what if we are able to simulate while I'm driving, what does texting do? You know, 
Yeah. So no, that's, huge. that's where, where, where we get all this technology. And, you know, the, the, the other things that um, for VR that I'm excited about is that there's like immersion therapy out mm-hmm. there for getting people exposed to situations that they may have anxiety or fear. Uh, one that I read about recently talked about helping people cope if they're recovering from alcohol or drug addiction, like they've got to go out and interact with the world mm-hmm. and what may be a better way to practice and some of those coping skills. And so before you go to a, a real party is to see like, okay, here's a virtual party where there might be booze. Booze or around. And yeah. Right. 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 Practice. And so how do you, how do you handle that? And, you know, don't feel as anxious about that experience. Like um, I would, I would hate to see people not go to parties because they don't want to get into that problem. But if they gain confidence and lower right. the anxiety, practice so, pra- practice their answers and 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 yeah, immerse, get get used to being in the situation and how they're going to respond. So it's uh, pillars for VR is like you know opportunities to persuade somebody, to inform somebody, to educate, to entertain, and to uh, provide escape. Something mm-hmm. I haven't done before, I haven't seen before, and so. That's not all entertainment. And I think that's what excites me most about the new responsibilities that I got is that we're going to be starting to get into areas that um, aren't. Yeah. As much as I love games, but all that experience and creating a fluid, intuitive, interactive experience, bring that to these other real world applicable points in life. Yeah, no, no, that's that that's interesting. Um, because there is all that stuff out there, uh, all these other ways to use it, and it's not just the Xbox, yeah. you know, something like that. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited. Uh, we have one of our 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 friends working at Magic Leap, and people are commenting about the quality of the work he's achieving with the technology. Mm-hmm. And he's an artist. He just yeah. knows how to get more of the pixels or in their light fields to get it to look as good as it can. Right, right, right. So that's where we're hoping that the art training will help these these students have success in a variety of real-time application scenarios. So what about, um, what's a funny, funny or odd story from working in the game industry? Like, oh, like It doesn't be funny, it can be odd. I know, like, I know. That was, this is the toughest one because I keep on thinking, you know, in game development, a lot of the time, funny stories revolve around something bad happening, <laughs> happening yeah, right, to somebody or right. like so it usually involves somebody else's uh you know having to pay the price right and um in my new role teaching in the college i'm trying to make sure that i'm being pc and yeah, right, right, <laughs> things yeah. that i remember <laughs> fair enough so, yeah. yeah no i'm getting old and i'm really you know there's a there's a cultural gap between me and the old other folks, uh, I feel like I start talking like an old man. Right, right. Like you're not connected to the world, dude. Right. Uh, anyhow, uh, you know, for me, uh, I'll probably kick myself when I come up with a better one. But when my, I used to bring my sons into work, and we were working in an arcade game, and it wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't think it was a big deal at all. We were working on Game Carnival, and there was this big, huge night, and. Uh, we oh, got right. these really large uh, monitors. It's not that big, you know, yeah. compared to like, big screen TVs today. Twenty seven. But he was a little. He was a little guy. Yeah, you know, it was the bigger ones, like the forty. The forty. Okay. And, and, and he's, uh, it's a first person, and so the, the knight swings the sword at the screen, and I had animated it, so 
-hmm. And with uh, the programmer's help, Sam, we're able to get the sword to like, it just grazes the front of the screen. So it comes really close, good angle on it. Yeah. yeah. Good, you know, for bad graphics times, but uh, he bowled over. He just like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> and backwards and knocks some stuff over. Right. right, right. Uh, so, you know, it, it, somebody, somebody got hurt out of that, but at least he's family. So <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you can hold anything against me. No, no, that's uh, that's great. Yeah, it had Carnival, right? That was uh, Jack Hager and Sam Z. Yeah. And, yeah was, that now, that's a guy who probably is telling students that he showed uh, Andy Warhol how they used Deluxe Paint. I think that was amazing. Yeah, that, holy crap, that's that's a story, right? Who, who can say they taught I know. deep paint to Andy Warhol? <laughs> <laughs> right. I got to track him down. Actually, I think he's with uh, Kenny at White Rabbit or whatever that... Um, so, company uh, Fidesz has got going. It sounds interesting. Right, right. Yeah, I should find him. Is there anything I, I should have asked you but didn't? What is like my favorite kind of game, maybe, or what type yeah. of role, role that I uh, like the most? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what um, kind of role did you like the most? Um, yeah, right. So I, I started. Uh, I really liked the table of authorship at mm-hmm. Midway at the times where the teams were smaller. Right. You really had a chance to really feel like you, you were making a big impact on it. Mm-hmm. And um, even though, uh, you know, towards the end there, working for Brian Eddy, the teams were small enough that I felt like I had a chance to at least have my voice be heard right. and be at that table of authorship. So I think it's, it's more about just like the timing of it. Um, you know, we have students now who are getting internships involving reviewing and preparing and setting up things for outsourcing. Um, uh, right. Man, I can't imagine, you know, uh, that's their first experience. But mm-hmm. for, for me, you know, Midway was in a panic mode for most of the time that I was there um, and trying to start new things. And I enjoy new initiatives. Right. I like, like trying to help out and solve problems. Um, maybe I made more than I created, uh, but I, I, I think there was lots of uh, fascinating ways to look at production and to change things. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, um, as much as I have some production savvy to me, mm-hmm. I enjoy the creative aspects. I really uh, enjoyed it a lot and just being there, thinking tangentially, thinking laterally, thinking deep mm-hmm. about how to solve a problem. Uh, I think that's that's the part where like, being at that table of authorship and no matter what capacity production or on the like art direction role or uh, just helping out in whatever way I could. Right. Right. So I like, and probably like uh, part of that, what would be like my biggest regrets and um, mm-hmm. valued results often more than uh, the valued relationships. I'm not saying it's about kissing the right ass, but just still making that an important part. And I try to temper the way that I interact with others since teaching. Right. Like I've, I've seen some folks here come to visit me and knew me in the past. I go, you used to be so mean. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> didn't mean to be. I think we just tried to had to get something done. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, um, and it, it, it kind of reflected and thinking about well, like, you know, what was a funny time. And I'm like, no, I've always been kind of focused on getting things done. And maybe I didn't smell the roses enough, but there were so many great personalities at Midway and at the other game companies I've worked at. Uh, yeah. Just thoroughly enjoyable. And 
I think I've come to terms that I like being part of a team and helping out wherever I can. Mm-hmm. No, and you've worked with some great ones, right? I mean, Sega, uh, of course, everybody knows that and uh, all the acclaim and everything around there. Um, and then Midway and, um, yeah. A little and, time at Activision, but I'm not. Okay, right, right. Yeah, so LA, that makes, yeah, that makes sense being out there. Um, yeah, no, it's cool. And um, it's cool what you're doing now and preparing yep. students. Um, I know Ringling was, was rated the best school in North America for... Um, yeah, there's a, there's a huge competition uh, called the Rookies. And, uh, you know, they got some goofy numbers out there. Mm-hmm. But all the game competitions are really hard. Um, we right. won the E3 college game competition two years ago, 97, uh, 2017. Why I keep on going back in time. (laughs) Uh, And in that competition, we're competing against people who are master's programs, could be doctors, who knows? Right. And teams of 18 to 40 people working in a project. And because of the learning outcomes, you keep on mentioning cookie, cookie cutter learning outcomes. um, Mm Mm-hmm. I can feel all that, (laughs) you know, because we have a responsibility to the students to say, like, here's these educational goals. We believe that if you have these things, it's going to help prepare you for the next learning objective or learning goal. Right. Yeah. And so that that cookie cutter kind of comes from that. But it's really important to add your own sauce to it. Right. Well, cool. Like, like, how can people find you online or, uh, you know, website? Right. Twitter. Right, right, right. I'm on Twitter. Uh, You can find me. Um, I have adopted the uh, boss character's nickname from Carnival of of Token Taker. Uh, Jack came up up with the bad guy, but Dr. Dr. Token Talker. Uh, But um, a good arcade game was a token taker. So uh, you can find me on Twitter under that. (laughs) There'll be posts about education, uh, politics, and game development. And then Facebook. feel free, but I'm on discord a lot. Uh, we'd run some of our classes through discord mm-hmm. and so, um, that's a good thing to know. Yeah. We can share that with the college. Um, I'm yeah. sure, you're, sure you're the same way, man. I, I can't believe how many business cards and times I've passed out my name out to other people. I rarely get contacted. Great school you're at. It's, uh, as a former artist, um, I always remember hearing, uh, ring oh, in high regards. So yeah, I was remembering talking about unfair competition. <laughs> so the recent uh, acclaim uh, from uh, the Autodesk uh, sponsored competition, the rookies, mm-hmm. um, we did pretty well on that. Uh, we could definitely do better, but um, it's a numbers game, and yep. we're competing against the number one in the world. Was uh, you had to have a bachelor's degree to complete it. So hmm. uh, right, and that wasn't even. But, uh, the United States, right? It was in Sweden or something. Right. And so then yeah. we're competing against other people's public school systems. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Finland may, or Pacific Rim countries may always have an advantage over us in the United States. We might be great at creativity. No, no, it's <laughs> impressive what you guys, yeah, what you guys right. did. And um, I'm sure that'll help grow the program and get more people um, involved. And in, in, in I hope so. It. I mean, it becomes like a flywheel after um, when I first started here, we we had a we didn't have the biggest classes. We only had like maybe two cohorts. We're up to four now. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Ringling does do portfolio reviews. So last year we had close to two hundred applicants, but we only take sixty. And so as the applicant pool continues, uh, 
like some of our other majors here on campus, it becomes extremely selective. And so we get high quality students. We're really impressed with the, the quality of the work and about 20% of them come from around the world. It's impressive. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot like uh, working with those fresh out artists that we hired at Midway, you know, because of different curriculum places are at there. By the time that they're sophomores in fall, they're as good as the interns that we would get. That's only sophomores. So they've got yeah. more years to build their chops and, and portfolio. So yeah, that's something um, the company I'm with now, Level X, we'll have to look at that too. When we get to the point of hiring um, people out of school, um, there could be another 3D artist on the horizon here. So I will um, have, okay. to, I'll have to think about that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. This has been uh Super interesting. I, I think you got some good stuff here and, and you've shared some great stories. So so Richard Rouse will shoot me if I don't mention his game right now. So uh, he just came out in Alpha. Um, I contributed some artwork and animation and modeling to his project called Church in the Darkness. Church of the Darkness? Okay. Really great. And you should check it out or uh, get an early download of the Alpha out there. Uh -huh. um, beautifully dynamic storytelling. Um, crafted extremely well by Richard, and uh, I think it's going to be a well-received game. What platform, just real quick, or is it? Yeah, everything. I think it's, right okay. it's going to be a, a Steam right now, uh, mm -hmm. but the plan is to come out. Um, recently got a publisher for that a game, so uh, that was something that I've worked on, helped out in the past, and gotten him some help from former graduates, so I'm happy cool. about that for that opportunity, but Richard's tremendous. You heard it here so, first, right? Yeah. Hey, John, um, you know, if there's opportunities where you or your crew would like to get uh, a chance to work with our students, we offer a Discord program uh, where we have uh, industry veterans mentor students. Uh -huh. I've been talking to some of our uh, common friends about this opportunity, uh, but I got multiple art directors, like 20-year vets art directors in there and some other really notable artists huh. who are collaborating with their senior thesis projects in an asynchronous fashion. So we got about 18 dedicated mentors and a number of alums and other kind of like floating mentors. Um, but And that's in Discord and like there's a yeah. channel you have set up? I, yeah, we have a server and a whole bunch of channels. We've tried different things, but, you know, the kids come in here. Like the whole entering class had already met themselves, each other. Uh, oh, um, right. Or, that's and I cool. see, I see the kids using it in Discord. I've even had to set it up for my youngest son at twelve. Like, I don't want a Discord account and everything. So it's just part of the culture. Um, you know, two years from now, maybe it's something different. But I know you you have that art background as well as like a whole bunch of just production savvy experience. Mm -hmm. You know, that's some guidance that uh, you you can offer as well as you know maybe find a a person that's a maybe a potential fit for your organization. Yeah, I, I could share. Uh, Ryan Blake's our um, uh, art director. Okay. Yeah, I'll tell him about it tomorrow when I'm back in, uh, in the office. No, that's that's cool. Cool, man. Cool. Let's stay in touch and not be strangers. This is uh, this is. Thank cool. you so much. It, 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 we haven't missed a beat. <laughs> right, yeah. Concern has been a decade. <laughs> right, it's uh, just pick back, pick back up where we were. So. All right, great to see you, Jen. And cool. I wish you and all of yours the best, okay? Thank you. You too. All right. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast. If you found it interesting or helpful, please leave a five-star review. I'd really appreciate it. 
And don't forget to subscribe. I have a lot of great episodes coming out. As always, I want to hear from you, the game development community. So give me a call at 224-484-7733 or reach out on the website, gamedevadvice.com. I want to know your struggles, your questions, and your ideas, since the podcast is really about you, the fellow game developer, and our game development community. Thanks and take care. Oh yeah, in the future, I'll be interviewing James Bond author and designer from the Ultima series, Raymond Benson, who shares how design has changed over the decades, along with freelance animator and artist Mike Antonicelli, who talks about traveling and working remote for clients, plus turns the tables and grills me with some questions. So subscribe now so you don't miss out.